So this could be what I would consider the follow-up to the uh, fishing episode that I did before. And we're going to see if I can get a fish on camera this time. We'll see. Welcome to STEM Punks. Welcome to STEM Punks. Welcome to STEM Punks. STEM is a bi-monthly podcast intended to bring science, technology, engineering, straight to your ears from our STEM Punk studio. Hang on, we'll take you for a ride that includes a whole lot of fun and a little bit of education on the side. Stay tuned. Nice to be in orbit. <laughs> you know, something about making this drive out in this kind of country, it's uh, not its not for everybody. You know, that's the thing about it is that, uh, you know, it's, it's Oregon desert country, so it's sagebrush, and at this point it's all straw fields. As far as you can see, I've already harvested the wheat, so that's what you get. But of course the other thing is, is that you end up with these little oasises down along where a creek runs through. And so the interesting geography and the difference in the landscape is still engaging, even though there's so much dry earth around and it's so hot. So it's not for everybody, but I love it because there's something about it that tells me that I'm going to be getting away from everything and everybody. Today we're on the lower part of the Deschutes River in central Oregon. It contains a diversity of landforms, vegetation, and color, having carved a canyon nearly 2,000 feet deep in many places out of Columbia River basalt flows. The lush, riparian edges offer an animal and insect sanctuary from the barren cliffs and hillsides of the canyon. Many species of wildlife are found on the Deschutes, including songbirds, waterfowl, mink, heron, mule deer, bighorn sheep, reptiles, amphibians, bald eagles, peregrine falcon, and osprey. The Deschutes River offers opportunities for whitewater rafting and jet boat excursions, and it's one of Oregon's premier steelhead and trout fisheries. It is a major tributary of the mighty Columbia River. The Columbia River is the largest river flowing into the Pacific Ocean from North America. Beginning in British Columbia and flowing through Washington State, it forms much of the border between Washington and Oregon on its 1,240-mile journey to the Pacific Ocean. There are more than 250 reservoirs and approximately 150 hydroelectric projects in the Columbia River Basin, including 18 main stem dams on the Columbia and Snake River. The Columbia is the largest hydroelectric power producing river in North America with a watershed encompassing 258,000 square miles, which is almost the size of France. A large portion of that is navigated by salmon and steelhead, going over Bonneville, the Dalles, John Day, and McNary Dams, these anadromous fish swim 325 miles before deciding to continue north or make a turn to the east and navigate the Snake River. The snake has its own challenges with four more dams to negotiate as our diligent travelers go an additional 120 plus miles before deciding to spawn in the Clearwater, Salmon, or Grand Ronde rivers. They can no longer spawn in the snake itself due to the construction of Hell's Canyon Dam. In May and June, millions of one and two year old smolts will head to the ocean trying to navigate those eight dams and survive. Unfortunately, only a small percentage actually make it. Let's have a look underwater for just a second. Young steelhead live in and around underwater vegetation and small rocks near the river's edge. They start out eating zooplankton, 
but as they gradually spend more time in the main river behind bigger rocks and boulders, they lie in wait for insects, a fish egg, or a crustacean to float by. Sometimes they even eat smaller fish. In anywhere from one to three years, they grow large enough and get an urge to head to salt water, where they'll spend an additional one to three years in the ocean growing to maturity. Once their internal clock signals them again, they then return to the fresh waters from whence they came and head upriver. As they navigate their journey, they rarely eat. If they do, it's more out of instinct or curiosity than anything. They are on a mission to spawn. Consequently, they need to do everything they can to maximize their use of energy. By hanging behind large boulders, they take advantage of stream currents creating little eddies behind those rocks. When it is time to move on, they flick their tail and create a bursting wake pattern that propels them forward quickly. Steelhead can accelerate from 0 to 25 miles an hour in one second, which is critical for them to jump up the obstacles they face on their way upstream. Steelhead have been known to jump up to 11 feet. So as I wade in here, the journey of these fish is definitely on my mind. The beauty of the place that I'm in, the pleasure wielding the technology that I have to make connection with this integral part of nature. And at the same time, I'm trying not to overthink anything. <laughs> when I think now about the STEM aspects of it all, it begins to overwhelm me a little. The biology and complex life cycle of the amazing creatures I seek, and the delicate yet resilient ecosystem they inhabit. The technology, art, and engineering of the fly rod I hold. The math involved in creating a fly line that is just right to go on it for a proper cast. STEM and, well, really, S-T-E-A-M with the added A, STEAM, is in every aspect of my experience on the river and in life. Having an understanding and appreciation for the knowledge and further study of STEAM enriches all of our lives. Now. I said I was going on this trip to catch a steelhead on film for you. So in order to do that, I need to make a lot of casts. Here we go. You know, steelhead fishing is, uh, it's a an act of a thousand casts, a million casts. <laughs> so it really does take a long time to hook a fish because you're, you're searching for these things that don't have any uh, permanent residence. And man, when something like this happens, when you get a tangle like this, it really, really messes you up. And you can see here that, you know, <laughs> I'm working on it pretty good, but man, Murphy's Law comes into play. Oh, I mean, that feeling right there, like you're all tangled up in there. You don't want to have anything happen. And, uh, you know, the fly's still swinging. I mean, the best thing to do, I guess, in one case is to pull it completely out of there. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that at this point, you know, you, uh, you learned something. I'd already fished over that spot, and my line was tangled, so I was much shorter, so it made me regroup, shorten up, 
swing the same fly a little more diligently and then change flies and start working my way back out again. And when I got back out to full length, I made this cast. And uh, yeah, as you can see here, the, the line will leave my fingers because I'm just holding that loop really lightly and it lets the fish take, changes the geometry of the way that the fly is in their mouth. And man, that when that reel starts to sing like that, oh man. For a steelhead fisherman, that's everything. <laughs> yeah, baby. You know, the another element in this, uh, another math element, is uh, the leverage that you have on this rod. It's 12 and a half feet long, and uh, trying to figure out just how much pressure to put on this fish. Uh, the, the line itself is rated at a certain number of pounds of breaking strength that it'll withstand before it breaks. And uh, you'd have to take all that into account. Of course, filming by myself, you know, you get a good shot of my wrist there every so often. Oh, man, those runs. There. The run I'm referring to is when the fish takes off. And it's just... The adrenaline rush is fantastic. There's a little more biology for you. And now it's just a matter of coaxing him into the bank before you know he gets too tired. They do have lactic acid that builds up, and so you don't want to fight them for too long. You know, this overall clip here that I've edited down quite a bit is about 15 or 20 minutes, maybe. And I don't want to just horse the fish to the bank either, you know, so it's kind of a balance. And this is a hen, this is a female steelhead. You can tell by a little shorter nose and and the semicircle next to the fin there on its head um, is uh, rounder than a male would be. And now I just flip her over and get my pliers out to remove that hook just lightly in the edge of her mouth there. Just a quick backwards motion and it's out. And there she is. you gotta have a picture. And turn her upright, give her her way, and away she goes. Thank you all so much for watching the STEM Punks podcast. And if you are a patron, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. That, uh, Patreon page has been very helpful, and um, if if you don't mind and you enjoy the podcast, please encourage your friends to consider becoming a patron as well. In times like these, you know, everything for everybody is a little bit harder, but if somebody can get some enjoyment out of the podcast and they feel like throwing a dollar in there, that would be wonderful. Yes, that is my shameless plug that needs to be done. 
As always, Cotty Wample Creative is one of our sponsors, and many thanks to them for the creative additions that they make. Thanks to my co-producer, E. Michael Friend, always there for technical advice, writing help, editing when needed, video work. Michael, you're the greatest. Thank you all. Why, why, why do you make me crazy, girl? How, how, how did it get this way? It's been a long time coming, but I know what I got to say.